0: message for us, just two short verses, and then we'll, we'll jump in. The Bible says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, we are thankful for this time where we can quiet our hearts and set aside distractions that are going on in our lives to meditate on your word for a few minutes this morning. We're thankful for the time in Sunday school that we've already come through where uh, Brother Jim Goodwin and others have... um, Shown the word of God to us and have spoken it to us and encouraged us in our walk of faith. And I pray now as as we turn our attention to the book of Hebrews and to consider what these two verses have to say to us, may we do so with an open mind, asking you to come in and fix what needs to be fixed. And to strengthen what needs to be strengthened because of who you are. You are strong and you are kind. Help us not to come in fear and trembling, but in bold assurance of faith. That we may rest in your care for us and look to you for help. For you are the only source of help that we have. And I pray, Father, that as we meditate on these truths this morning, May we apply them to our lives so that we may leave the building today, not just enjoying the fellowship, which is good, but leaving today changed just a little bit more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we ask, amen. I don't know how many of you had the opportunity to be involved in sports in high school, uh, I had that opportunity to last three years, starting with my sophomore year, to attend um, via satellite school, Westbrook Christian School in Westbrook, Minnesota. Uh, the two sports that they had available for the guys were soccer and basketball. In my senior year of uh, playing sports, uh, we, we had a game against Coon Rapids Christian School. And it was one of our final games before the state tournament the next weekend. And it was kind of a, a, a prep game, if you will, for the tournament. And uh, we were supposed to beat uh, Coon Rapids pretty easily. They weren't a very good team. We had beaten them once before during the season. And uh, we're excited to face them again. Well, the game started off, and it was fairly good weather. And we got to, to halftime, and the score was 5-2. to two. And our coach, uh, Coach Tony Malowitz, was not happy with our performance. And uh, he gathered us at halftime and kind of lectured us on that. And as we were about to get ready for the second half, he said, okay, guys, you ha-, and we agreed to this, uh, this stipulation. He goes, okay, guys, we're going to go back out there. If you let any more goals in second half, you have to run 10 laps for each goal that you let in. And so we went out for the second half and, and played the rest of the game. Final score was 8-5, and so we let three goals go in. So guess what we did? Once handshakes were done, we lined up at the end of the field and started running 30 laps. And it wasn't just up, the field was one lap, it was up and down counted as one lap. Now I was fatigued, I was, I was a starter for the team, I was playing defense, and at the end of a 90-minute soccer game was just wiped out but I had to run 30 laps. And so I started running those laps and my goal was just to get done. I mean, I was, I was drained, I was exhausted. My goal was just to get done. And that was, that was what propelled me. I got to five laps. I was just thought, I'm not gonna make it. I got to 10 laps. I still thought I wasn't gonna make it. And then as, as time went on, I kept thinking about, okay, just get done, just get done. I saw my, my teammates running alongside me, and I thought, okay, I just got to get done ahead of them so I can rest a little bit longer. But I, I continued to move onward and onward until I finally finished the 30 laps and collapsed exhausted after running all that time. Next week, as a side note, we went out and beat that team 14-2 to at the state tournament, so we learned our lesson. But I was, I was running that race, if you will. I, I had a goal in mind of getting done. I just, I just want to get done. You know, I, I just want to be finished and over with it. And thankfully, that happened. But the same attitude can portray us in life. Where we look at life ahead, we look at the race that we've been given, and we have a goal in front of us. And as believers in Jesus Christ, that goal is heaven. That goal is eternity with our Savior. And we are all involved in a race this morning. Some of us are just beginning the race. You've just started to place your faith in Christ and, and you're beginning that journey uh, of walking by faith and not by sight. Some of us are in the middle of the race. We, we, we've had some experience behind us in the race of faith. And, and, and we've, look, we're, we've, we've had those ups and downs and we're, just, we're looking towards the end. Some of us are at the end of the race. You, you've had a long uh, life of, of faith And your years are dwindling. And you're almost there. And no matter what section of the race you find yourself in, my challenge to you this morning is to be faithful in the race of faith. Wherever you find yourself, beginning, middle, toward the end, be faithful in the race of faith. That's what the author of Hebrews lays out for us here in these two verses and I want to give you four actions that you and I can take to be faithful in the race of faith. The first one comes from the first part of verse 1, where he says, Therefore also we are surrounded by so great, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The first action that you and I can take to be faithful in the race is remember those who have been faithful before you. He points our attention to the cloud of of witnesses giving us examples both old and new to consider he is also referring back to chapter 11 the great hall of faith that you and I love so well and what I love about these examples and especially in chapter 11 is that not all of them have names if you look at the end of chapter 11 look at verse 36 or 35 excuse me Women received their dead, raised to life. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. There are others that we don't even know about. We know about Abraham. We know about Noah. We know about Moses. We know about Isaac. They're very familiar to us. But there are those who have run the race that we don't even know. We don't even have an intimate knowledge of it with. But if they can do it, we can do it. Perhaps you can think of examples in your life of people of faith that you have encountered. And you look at them as an example of a race well run. I'll give you one example from my life. Um, there are many that I can pick from. but I'll use Doc, Dr. Dan Morell. He is home with the Lord and has been for the past few years. But I look at his life as a, a life of a well run race. A man who started out being a pastor for many years was always involved in ministry. Then went to Israel to work on a kibbutz and be a a testimony to the Jewish peoples, pointing them to the reality that the the Messiah has come and his name is Jesus Christ. And then going and working at Bible colleges in the missions department, teaching and, and inspiring mission students like myself to consider the mission field and to go and spread the gospel in foreign lands. And even after Bible college days were over, as he he moved on to the end of his life, just being faithful where he was at until a sudden diagnosis of a cancer took him within a month. That is an example for me of a well-run race of faith. And again, you can think of examples in your life. And aren't you thankful for those examples that we can have that are an inspiration to us as we consider the great cloud of witnesses And some might say that the great cloud of witnesses are ones that are up there. They've already finished. They're looking down on us. They're watching us as we run the race. I think, though, the impact here is that they're not so much watching us, that they are encouraging us along the race. They are saying to us by their life, by their example, hey, you can do it. You can run this race. It's more encouraging when you are walking through a tough time to have someone come along and say, hey, you can do it. Or an athlete, as they are uh, engaging in that activity, whether on the baseball field or on the racetrack, to have people encourage them by saying, hey, go, keep going. That is a greater encouragement to complete the race. You and I have those many examples to consider. These witnesses have proven by their actions that the faithfulness in the race can be achieved. These people are watching us. They are, have they are, set forth their example that the race can be won and you can be faithful in it. You and I will never experience probably being sawn in two, slain with a sword, being homeless, being afflicted and tormented, but even those people in those tough situations still finish the race. You and I can do the same. It's also a warning to us. Don't ever make excuses that the race can't be run. Yes, it is tough. Yes, it is hard. But if Abraham can, by faith, do what he did, so you and I I can do the same thing. So remember those who have been faithful before you. As you consider running a faithful race, remember, there are those who have done it before you. And be encouraged that you can do it as well. Some of you might be thinking, well, Brother Fish, you don't know where I'm at in life. And you're right, I don't. I'm struggling with this, or I'm working through this, and I'm having a hard time. And we all have those times. But guess what? The race can still be run. We can be, still be faithful in the race, even though it is hard. There's others who've done it before us. Second thing I would like us to consider in running a faithful race, not only do we need to remember those who have been faithful before us, we also need to reject the weight of sin and snares so easily. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. This requires an active participation. The, the, the phrase, lay aside, has the idea of to get rid of or to cast off. It requires initiative that we lay aside, get rid of, put off the weights that hinder us from running the race. When you see an athlete on the, on the racetrack, you don't see them having ankle weights on or a chest uh, vest on with weights on it as they're running. No, they've already done all their training. They've already accomplished all that they need to do to prepare for the race. Now all that stuff comes off, and it's just them running the race. It also involves getting rid of heavy burdens. That's the idea of the word weight here. It has the idea of an encumbrance or burden, something that holds you back. And the weight that the writer is talking about is not so much a weight that we would think of, of weights in a weight room or weights that uh, you use for training for a race. But it's the weight of sin that can easily ensnare us. Why? Because sin is an ever-present problem. We're all believers in this room, I trust, this morning. If you're not, uh, I would encourage you to consider, as we think about this, the truth of, of the Word of God. We're all sinners. The only way that we can be saved is, is accepting Christ's sacrifice as our own. So that we can have eternal life that he offers us. But even after you're saved, still a problem. Still an issue. Still something we have to daily deal with. And the weight of sin is an easy snare. The the phrase, so easily snares, has the idea of to obstruct or construct. This is the only time this word is used in all of the New Testament. It has the idea of to constrict, to prevent from going forward. Sin is so crafty that it places itself in the way of the runner to trip him or her up. Do you realize the craftiness of your sin? Do you realize how easily it can ensnare you and cause you to be tripped up in your race of faith? Which is why we need to be significantly aware of that tactic. There are believers today who think sin's not a problem and they just kind of Just treat it with soft hands and think, okay, if I just have this soft stance toward it, it'll be okay. But sin doesn't act like that. The sin in our lives is so crafty and so conniving that it will use whatever methods it has at its disposal to trip us up in the race. And you have to think about what that means for you in your life. I know for me personally, there was a sin that I dealt with for a number of years that I did not deal with it properly, and so it continually tripped me up in my race of faith and caused me to be ineffective, caused me to struggle, caused me to have problems. And you, as you think upon your life, perhaps you can think about an area in your life where sin is easily entangling you. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's that some pride is an area for you where you just just cannot bear to be Humble, and so you, you have to continually put yourself at the forefront and show yourself to be just strong person. Because you, and you take pride in that. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you struggle with anger. Maybe you struggle with with a any or sort of other sins that can be so easily obtained. And brothers and sisters, we cannot be ignorant of how dangerous sin is. And our response to it is to kill it. Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes about this sin which so easily entangles. He gives uh, a particular definition of how to deal with it. And this definition we all need to partake of. Let me read verse 5 of chapter 3, Colossians. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things... The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Put it to death. You want to deal with sin that easily entangles your life? You put it to death. You get rid of it. You throw it off. And it may take a long time. It may take a short time. But if we're going to run a faithful race, sin can't be part of the equation. Sin can't be a part of the picture. So you and your life, as you reflect, as you consider, how can I run a faithful race? Get rid of sin. Confess sin. Deal with sin. Get rid of it. It will not help you to be faithful. Brothers and sisters, are you doing that this morning? Are you actively getting rid of sin in your life? Are you looking at the race of faith that you are running? And can you clearly say... I don't have anything tripping me up. Whether it be just a a casual weight, something that maybe is not sinful, but just something that perhaps is getting in the way, or something more serious as sin, that is tripping you up in your race of faith. Brothers and sisters, may I encourage you, get rid of that sin. I know it's hard. I I know what it's like to hold on to sin. And, and think that you cannot live without it. But trust me, you can. Get rid of the sin that easily ensnares you. So running a faithful race means we remember the examples that have gone before us. We get rid of the sin. Get rid of the weight. Reject the sin which so e- that ensnares so easily. Then thirdly, we run with endurance. Endurance. Later on, here in verse one, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is the main verb in the passage. Uh, if you're a, a grammarian at all, uh, let us lay aside every weight. That is a participle that that is used to support the main verb. The main verb here is "let us run with endurance." That is an encouragement. To the, to the readers of Hebrews that they, in their situation, can run the race and do it with endurance. The idea of the word run requires effort. It is to the idea of to make progress or move forward, advance. When you run a race, it's not meant to be observed. It's meant to run. And the race of faith that we encounter is not a bystander's work, but a participant's inquiry. You and I are in a race of faith, regardless of whether or not you want to be in it. But the approach that we need to have is to run it and not just stand by the wayside and just look. Are you and I running in the race? Or are you and I just stopping and looking, waiting for some clear answer from God about what to do rather than moving forward and running in the race of faith? Running also requires endurance. The word endurance here points to steadfastness or perseverance. It's the idea of to keep going even when you get knocked down. The theme of endurance in Hebrews is rampant. The author of Hebrews continually encourages his audience to endure, to keep going. Even when life is hard, even when life knocks you down, you keep going. I'm reminded of what Paul says in 2 Timothy Chapter 4, as he's writing to Timothy, as he's finishing up his life, I don't know about you, I I would like these words to be said of me. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I'd be satisfied with that. I don't know about you. David fought a good fight, he finished the race. He kept the faith. Can you and I say that this morning? That we are willing to endure the hardship of life, we're willing to keep going, even when it's hard, so that we can say, like Paul said, I have finished the race. So running requires effort, it requires endurance. It also follows the pattern of the race. Notice how the author of Hebrews Sets this for us. The race that is set before us. And the object here is that there is no hidden path or secret place. The race of faith is well known. But its full effect cannot always be seen. The race has been laid before us. We may not know know where it goes. But it's still going to lead to an end. And the race of faith is something we need to follow. The idea of set before also has the idea of to be exposed. God does not hide the race of faith. God is not up there in heaven saying, well, I I want to see how they figure this out. So I'll I'll keep this next part hidden for them. No, God always reveals the race of faith to us. He may not reveal all that's going to go on. You were asking me two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, ago, that I would be in this point of my life and, and about to... Um, be called to be a pastor and, and move to, as my wife affectionately calls Siberia of the United States, okay. I would have laughed at you. I would have been so scared that I would have locked myself in my room and said, no, nah, I'm not coming out. But God does not always reveal what happens in our race, right? But that does not negate the necessity that we have to run the race. Pilgrim's Progress, which I'm sure many of you have read. We think about Christian and his race that he run. He ran. Christian did not always know the path before him, but he knew where he was going, and he still pressed on. He went through the valley of despair. He met the giant of, uh, I think, the giant of slothfulness or whatever that was. He went down to some some deep areas in that story, areas that would have discouraged, been discouraging and tough. yet he knew that he was going to the celestial city and that's what kept him moving forward. Brothers and sisters, are you running with endurance? Are you running the path that God has set before you? You may not know where it goes, but guess what? God has set it before you and that is an encouragement as well. God is in control of the race. You're not running on an aimless path. God has purpose for you in the race that he has set before you. And your purpose right now is to be here and live the life of faith you have here in this area. Who knows what it's going to look like in a year? Maybe some of you will finish your race in a year. And you'll be going to heaven and be with him forever. Perhaps some of you in a year will find yourself in a different place, in a different job situation, different time. But no matter where you find yourself... Run the race with endurance. Keep going. Keep running. Keep following the path that God has laid before you. You won't regret it. Because the end will be our goal. And so, whatever we experience in the race of faith will not be comparable to what we will receive in the end. So, if we're going to be faithful in the race, Remember those who have been faithful before you. Reject the weight of sin that ensnares so easily. Get rid of it. Kill it. Run with endurance. And I got I love this last part. Remember your Savior. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Despite all that goes on in the race of faith, we have one who has perfectly run the race. Remember your Savior. The idea of the word "look" here, as idea of to fix one's eye upon. One might use an example of shooting, when you have a target in front of you. You look down the sight, trying to hit the bullseye as close as you can, or even getting close to the target in my, my instance. And you're looking down the sight, you're trying to, to, to peek down there and aim for what you're uh, shoot for what you're aiming at. And you're fixing your eye on the target. And that same action that you and I take when we're shooting at a target is the same action you and I need to take when looking at Christ. Look at him, focus on him. You do that through looking at Him in His Word. I've been working through the Gospels in my personal devotional time. And it's been an encouragement to me to see my Savior, not so much, yes, as my Savior, but as my human sacrifice for myself, that He suffered for me. Not just on the cross, yes, that was the ultimate suffering, but through His life, how much suffering He went through just so He could run a faithful race. And if my Savior, who is the perfect one, can do that, I can do that as well, even though I fail often. Notice also, that as as the author lays out who Jesus is, notice some encouragement. As you remember your Savior, remember that He is the author of your faith. He is the one who started it. He is the one who began it. And as we're reminded in the scriptures, he who began a good work, work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He has started your faith, he will complete it. As we'll get to I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but he is the he is the author, he started it. And indeed, our faith, our race of faith, is all about him. It's not about this church. It's not about these people, although we love you and we're excited to be here, we are an encouragement to be here, but guess what? It is not about us being here together, it is about Christ. That is what our faith is about. So remember that he is the author of your faith. And remember also that he is the finisher or he is the culmination of your faith. Your faith begins and ends with him. He is the end goal. Your completion of the race results in your complete sanctification, which is becoming more like Christ. In Romans 8:29, we have this famous verse, considering this. Let me read verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, To those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That is the goal. To be like Christ. We we, We have someone who has run the race. Not only run the race. He started it. He ended it. And he has laid it before us. We can look at that Savior. Look at Christ and realize that he has all the qualifications necessary for us to be faithful in the race. And notice also that he enjoy, joyfully endured his race of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He ran his race with joy. And when you think about the life of Christ, there were, there were moments in his life, and even at the end, on the cross, that were not joyful, Right? There were things that were not to particularly be happy about. But yet he joyfully endured his race. He did not complain or desire another way. You think about Gethsemane. You think about when he was praying to his father. Father, if there is some other way, let this cup pass from me. What What follows that? Not as I will, but you will even in the, the uttermost pit of despair-looking death in the face, Christ still joyfully ran his race. The pain, the suffering, and sorrow and death, the race involved in a cross, a humiliating, painful death that paid the price for all our sin, that is, was his race, and he joyfully endured it. So much so, that the shame that came with the cross, all of, all of that, the beatings, the scourging, the, the utter humiliation was despised. It wasn't his focus. His focus was on running the race and doing what God had given him to do. Be thankful for a Savior who ran the race, for you and for me. Who did it faithfully and joyfully so that we may have eternal life. And lastly, at the end of verse 2, not only is he the author of our faith, he's the culmination of our faith, he joyfully endured his race of faith, he holds authority over your faith and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The idea of the word sat down has the idea of to be seated in position of authority. So he began the race, he ended the race, and now he is watching over the race with authority. He now has all authority. As he says at the end of, of Matthew All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go, make disciples of all nations. Author, finisher, completer, and king. Remember your Savior. Brothers and sisters, the race of faith is hard. I'm not going to make any, any bones about it. But it is a race that can be run. So remember these things this morning.